0: Oh, did you show roman about watering your plants i did
1: and guess what we found a cloud
2: of flying ants termite city it was was like it was like the mole man said go forth my pretties
1: Ew! tried to drown any that were left and then at dusk they came out of a different part of the stump (laughs) like a cloud
2: (laughs) oh god Can I just like spray a bunch of lighter fluid all over the stuff and light your backyard on fire? Ooh. <laughs> Probably. Cool.
0: getting pagan out there. <laughs> hey, do you guys want to talk about comic books? Do you guys want to talk about comic books?
2: Are we, do- are we doing fuck shots?
3: <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so let's do fuck I, shots. I have
0: the material for, for fuck. Fuck fucks. Listeners, beloved compatriots in the comic book world, shared love of illustrated fiction, connoisseurs of fine art, welcome to the Comics Place Presents a Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. A podcast where a bunch of people who run a comic shop together get together every week to discuss all the comics that came out that week and engage in a variety of tangents either related to, or either related or not related to the shop related. that we run, the comics that we read, or the comings and goings of our lives. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know. I'm Jeff. I'm not.
2: I am also not, Jeff.
0: That's the ambassador himself, Professor Romanoff, Dr. Esquire. Dr.
1: Professor Romanoff exactly. ambassador.
0: Exactly. And Bastard. Well, listen, hey, whether he was born in or out of wedlock doesn't at all touch on the merit <laughs> of his ability to talk about comics. In fact, if anything, it seems to have made him better at it. And on that note, let's get in to the beginning of this, because as always, we have a message from our dear, dear friend and listener, just like you, dear listener, William Elmer.
3: Hello and happy episode two hundred and eighty-two. Oh, it feels shit, like it's been too. a couple of weeks since I've had an email, uh, even though it feels like I maybe sent an email in there at some point. Uh, I actually went backwards and looked, and turns out I sent it to the wrong email address. I sent it to the weekly Papschmere podcast that I listen to. Oh. Easy mix-up. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, coincidentally, though, the, my question about hard versus hard versus floppies. Um, still seem to work. Uh, And it was a great answer. You guys should definitely check it out. Anyway, uh, I'm fresh out of Emerald City Comic-Con and there's that old adage, never meet your heroes. You know, and sometimes that can be the instance when you go to somewhere like Comic-Con and there's all these larger than life creators and it's totally possible to find out that one of them might be kind of a dick. Um, And that wasn't the case for me this week. And I met some amazing creators, G. Willow Wilson, Joel L. Jones, um, and most notably Daniel Warren Johnson, who I'm a fan of, but I wouldn't have considered myself a huge fan of until I got to interact with them over this past weekend. Which led me to my question, who is it that you were maybe a casual fan of until you had the chance to meet or interact with them in some capacity, and now you would consider yourselves a huge fan Uh, and will probably always be a fan forever because of that one positive interaction you had with them. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Talk to you soon. And Jeff, beefcake.
1: Beefcake. Beefcake. What is beefcake? You guys making cakes?
0: Will and I have been going to the gym, and we're trying to be accountability buddies for one another. And when we show pictures or send texts that we're at the gym riding the bike, uh, we will generally respond to the other person with beefcake. Which nice. is a South Park reference, because we both like South Park. Apparently, I love South Park. I didn't know that Will did, um, but I like it.
1: Okay, Fair that's enough. a
0: really good question. Um, I have, I have, I have one for Roman, but I don't have one for me.
1: Well, you have, had some go the other way for sure. Sorry, go ahead, Roman. Yeah.
0: Well,
2: do you have one for me? Well, I'm curious what you'll say. Oh, oh, somebody's answer.
1: It's like a fucking human centipede of cowardice here it's a human centipede of
0: love oh
2: right
1: sorry I get those confused all the time yeah 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 they're essentially
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. it's easy to confuse human centipede tooted with love I love cowardice cowardice and love are you know almost the same things yeah (laughs) yeah Um, that is a tough question because I don't go to that many cons even before the uh, pandemic so I haven't met a lot of folks but and I, and I I was already fans of the ones I have met like well, I guess I don't know, Dan Slot. I liked his writing, but once I met him, I liked him even, I liked him in general even more just because he was such
0: a yeah, because
2: he was yeah. such a nice guy and yet such a like I mean taller but such a Louis De Palma looking guy.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and didn't did you like met him in the elevator, is that right?
2: No, I met him at his booth at one of the because oh, okay, okay, because okay. nobody, nobody else was at the booth. So I just yeah. walked over and started talking with him. I guess Thomas Jane. I didn't really care about him one way or another, but Meeting him I was like, "Oh yeah, he seems pretty cool."
1: I would put uh probably uh Gabriel Hardman on that list. I I liked him before, but I I was really impressed with the way that he dealt with my stupid questions about whether he would ever do a full shadow story. Um <laughs> and Chris Eliopoulos was pretty rad too. But it, no nobody that I didn't think was cool before that I changed my mind on or anything like that.
0: I don't know if the question was exclusively limited to comic people or people in general, like meeting your Mm -hmm. heroes, but I get a, when I was like a freshman in college, I had gotten like backstage passes for a Nine Inch Nails show, and I got to meet and talk to Trent Reznor, and in that moment, I was incredibly excited about it, but in that moment, I was back there, and he was really nice, but I realized, like, I don't have anything to say to these people right (laughs) and it made me like question for like a year like why does anyone want to meet people that they like you know or look up to no judgment at all but I realized that like you know like maybe I'm trying to be friends with them but I'm never going to be friends with them you Mm -hmm. know maybe I just want to be able to tell the story but is that then what is that um and since then and that was kind of before I was back in the comics as an adult uh, but since then I really like When I go to conventions, I don't even like pursue talking to creators at all. Um, I just don't know what I would say or why I would say it. Um, So I just don't really do it anymore. But I would say, uh, like we were talking about before this, I had a really positive interaction with uh, Frank Quitely. But I loved him going into it. Um, And a really positive interaction with Grant Morrison. That caused me to really like him even more um You're just a
1: little scots follower aren't you
0: yeah def- definitely scottish folks j h williams iii was like really incredibly nice um jason aaron was more uncomfortable to meet than you'd want jonathan hickman was kind of uncomfortable when i met him Um, uh, those were a lot of those pretty much all at morrison con um
1: yeah i don't know i don't know so what would change your outlook on that? Like, I, I kind of agree. And that's part of the reason that I don't really go, th- like I go through Artist Alley, but I don't really seek people out. Same kind of thing. I, I feel like I run the more of a risk of having either an awkward or a bummer experience with somebody than a good experience. Um, But is there something that would change your mind about that? Like if you stumbled into a bunch of, meetups with people and had a bunch of great experiences would that change your outlook on it
0: I'm I'm not sure I also had an incredibly positive experience with Daniel Warren Johnson but I didn't mm-hmm. approach him at all for myself in fact I had not even read any of his work at this time because it was like four years ago but I just went up to him and told him about Ashton who was a huge fan of him at that point and was like starting his drawing career at that point point. And just hearing about how much Ashton liked his art, like he whipped out a board and just started doing a sketch for us, totally impromptu, didn't ask for any money at all. And then he, you know, signed it for Ashton. and said something to like keep drawing or something on it. Yeah. If I can uh, facilitate meeting somebody and have it really not be for me at all, it's way easier for me to be impressed or surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I, I was like, that's a really, really cool, friendly guy right then. But yeah, you know, there's something there. I think the, you know, yeah, I like people a lot, but um.
1: I, I, oh actually I, I've got one Oh. I ended goodness. up in a hotel lobby once with uh, uh, Jim Valentino mm. and I enjoyed sitting at a table like we weren't hanging out or anything but he was there just kind of being Mr. Cool and I, I liked him a lot more than I expected to
0: um, okay well we're going to talk about some comics this week we're going to start off with Tales of the Human Target number one uh, Detective Comics 1063 Batman Foratress number four uh, Amazing Spider-Man, no, Gr- Rogues Gallery number two, Shaolin Cowboy number four. You know, minor threats, number one, Amazing Spider-Man number eight. We're gonna have some fox sex at some point. Um, so what I mean by that is fox 90 sex. seconds of book fuck book fox fox sex fox and foxing and sexing and boxing. Um sexin'. so if you want to hear uh fox sex, just listen. Just listen. Um Mom, I know you're curious about what sort of fox sex I have, so... Uh... Listen,
1: I've seen you wear that little foxtail on a belt mm-hmm. loop on Tuesday mornings. You're a Tuesday furry, and nobody's judging you for it.
0: I do have a foxtail that hooks on a belt loop. Have you actually seen me wear it? Because I don't even know where it is anymore.
1: I, I got nothing, man.
0: Okay, I was being <laughs> honest. Uh, Tales of the Human Target by Tom King, Kevin Maguire, Mikil Janin, Raphael Albuquerque, and Greg Smallwood. What an interesting thing to stumble upon! Human target, famously in the midst of a six-month hiatus, although it says it's going to be back in a month. We did order the comics a while ago. Covers are nice, um, but we got this little thing in there. Django, you had brought up an interesting point when this came in about hope. You had a hope for its relationship to the series, or maybe a hope of its. Can you? Do you know what I'm talking about? And can you yeah. expound on that?
1: Yeah. So this the. I don't think that that six month hiatus was planned necessarily. And I was worried that this one shot was something that they were just going to insert into the mystery, which was disappointing to me because I feel like a mystery that's 12 issues long should have a decided outline before they start working on it. And I know that's not realistic in books and certainly not realistic in comics. But like when I see important things happening in the spinoffs of the DC versus vampires, I'm always a little bit bummed that we get this information about the way their blood works in mm-hmm. something that's not the core story. Okay. And I was worried that this was going to be like, oh, here's uh, one really long extended day of, you know, like here's, here's an hour of chance and ice uh, pulled out into 60 pages or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's fluffy and unnecessary other than amazing artwork, but what this turns out to be, and it's not really revealed until the very end, it turns out to be ice asking her friends about their experiences, maybe with, with this guy with chance. Um, gosh, I don't know if we should even fucking put that in. Cause it's such a rewarding payoff when you find out that that's who it's about. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah i at, at about halfway through it for me i was like what is this What stuff <laughs> and i was like all three of these have had like dead people i bet or or assassinations towards them. i was like i bet he's all of these people i bet yeah. like that why else would this be human target so um i felt very pat myself on the back about that yeah um i think it also does a little bit to paint her motivation right ice's motivation
2: mm-hmm. because
0: in this that's probably the most important thing is that this takes place before the series you know like right as, right before she would have met him shows that she's like doing recon about him so it means that like she's less trustworthy than we think you know so that, that's yeah. kind of an important detail right but that we've also kind of gotten that hint right up until this point right
1: tell they've telegraphed it this, yeah. is, this is like admitting it kind of yeah yeah
0: roman what uh, did you think of this thing
2: it might be after she's like first issue after she's met him, but okay. I don't know. I, I hadn't decided. I really liked it. Um the setup is that it's it's every couple pages you're hearing Booster Gold tell a story or fire tell a story. Okay, or, that's who that was. Or, I
0: wanted to ask that.
2: Yeah, or Guy Gardner. Fire, yeah, fire and ice were best friends and kind of a kind of a duo during the Dematius um giffen Justice League yeah,
1: totally Justice best League. friends okay yeah. yeah
2: yeah
0: but not like sisters um, or twin spirits or anything
1: no just just
2: besties no yeah okay yeah
0: wasn't there an episode like where they had like like
2: that was that was a dirty manga
0: <laughs> oh, okay <Never> mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode where there was some
0: weird sexual like the Martian one, and they had some sort of psychic connection, but maybe that was because of Chance's training with being able to read people or something. I can't remember. Yeah, I've was... never known the relationship between Fire and Ice, though. They're just buddies.
2: Okay. And you don't know how it's all related and everything until the very end. and It's very well done. It's very clever. Tom King's got such a great voice for Booster Gold, but also got Guy Gardner. <laughs> I mean, he you can tell he really
4: loves these characters.
1: Yeah. yeah, okay. So, Roman, you thought that that was a really good Booster voice and it made me it made me think like giffen and dimatteis did like the versions of all these characters and i thought that booster felt over the top even for a keith giffen character like it didn't bother me because it's you know 30 years after he came on the scene in in this characterization but it seemed a little more over the top than i think giffen had him
2: I, i could see reading it that way Maybe I don't have, it, have
1: a tone of, tone of voice in my head.
2: Yeah. And it doesn't fit It and it doesn't quite fit with modern booster and say like 52 and the from 52 on where he's definitely a hero. It's just, people don't quite realize it or that kind of thing. This is definitely, you know, old original booster where he's just a huckster and a, and a, flim flam man <laughs> I, I, uh, a I have no frame
0: of reference for the voices of these characters and in fact i've read more booster gold written by tom king than probably anybody <laughs> between his batman stuff and heroes in crisis and this so i can't speak to the how accurate those voices are but i do think i would love to see him write a booster gold comic series and i would also mm-hmm. love to see him write any green lantern comic series because i think the green lantern comics are so often like you see a green lantern you use their ring to make a big fist and hit somebody and it's like that's fucking dumb like i think a a writer needs to use their imagination to use their ring like to actually kind of conceptualize what the ring would do i think jeff johns did a great job of kind of curtailing each of the the um god i forget the word for it but what you make with the ring um constructs constructs they all were sort of different like you know uh kyle rayner's an artist so like artist hands would be drawing things or john stewart's an architect right. so like bu- buildings would be being built i love like the you know it goes like a hand goes into the kitchen and opens a beer bottle for him and stuff like it's uh, you know anyway i thought that tom king could write a great one of those um so
1: i i know we don't like to correct each other in
0: public yeah 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 please do though
1: uh, heroes in crisis was ostensibly a booster gold story it was yeah and yeah. omega man
0: which i have a Green read. lantern story nice
1: but i don't know how much green lantern ring action there was in that it yeah. was mostly sad kyle rayner in yeah. prison i think i, I only yeah, got yeah. about halfway through it
0: but, but yeah, yeah good, you're, you're good right. points but, on both of those but i would love like if he did a blue both. and gold mini i would love it um oh god can you but, imagine
1: him writing straight comedy like that <laughs> it, it is really vaudeville
0: it. it's vaudeville <laughs> it, no, um, it is vaudeville it is vaudeville uh <laughs> i also just want to mention that Tom King has such a knack for finding artists. And I think all three of these stories uh, have amazing art. The Kevin Maguire, Mikhail mm-hmm. Janin and Raphael Albuquerque. The Albuquerque stuff is awesome. Um, and then we also got him in detective comics this week, but the Mikhail Janin stuff is very different looking than his Batman stuff. Yeah. And I really liked it. It was not nearly as digital, but there's also this really interesting, almost Phil Noto-esque color gradient stuff going on. And I the Kevin McGuire stuff. Yeah, maybe Totally. Um, and the Kevin Maguire stuff is really, really awesome. Almost reminds me of Derek Robertson at times, but there's like, there's like the one shot with the booster and the Kevin Maguire one where like he changes the focus of the camera to be like the background person's like the foreground person is kind of blurry. And then like the next panel is the same image, but then it's the different person. The camera has focused on the other person. So it blurs mm-hmm. like alternates blurring just like that type of stuff. It could totally be the colorist or whatever, but, um, really liked the Kevin Maguire stuff and it wasn't, super like other Kevin McGuire that I've seen recently
1: and that blurring stuff that's a dicey thing to do in a comic
0: I agree like
1: sometimes it's terrible yeah this is this is really interesting Kevin McGuire too
0: yeah it's glossy it looks,
1: yeah it looks it looks a lot different I, I noticed that Derek Robertson especially in the the guy that he's saving yeah throughout the book yep. that guy yeah. just looks like he was ripped from Derek Robertson's brain happy or something yeah
0: <laughs> yeah if I had a complaint it would be a similar complaint that I have voiced with Human Target, which is sometimes that the dual, like the narration coupled with the speaking, which I think mm-hmm. he's doing really intentionally to fit the genre and tone of the story he's telling, but it can be a little bit difficult to be getting through uh, if you're tired or divided attention or something. You're, you're kind of jumping yeah. between con- like conversations <laughs> between two people and then narration interspersed and yeah. i don't think that it ever made anything suffer but at some point i made it maybe a tiny bit more difficult to take in than i would have liked
1: yeah i'd be curious to see what people who, who don't read these for a living would think about that because i i had to read this in two sittings and i don't usually like to do that with tom king books but i i got i got worn out halfway yeah. through
2: yeah i had to, i had to switch to the method i use sometimes for maybe just to a Tom King books would, but when he's doing that, I found myself about halfway through, I was switching to, I'd get to a page um, like here's fire and, and Christopher chance sitting in the graveyard and I would get to a page and I would either read all the text narration first and then read the actual word balloons, or I would read the word balloons first and then go back and read the text.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I totally do the same thing. So I think anytime that you, the reader is kind of doing something like that it means that maybe the execution isn't perfect but that's the reason i'd give this book a nine out of ten rather than a 10 out of 10 is just that tiny little thing
1: i'm gonna give it a nine and a half um and i take back everything all of my worries about it not being a, a worthy part of this story yeah i give it a nine
0: uh roman you have not read detective comics yet and i'm curious is that a yet thing or are you not reading this
2: it's a yet thing because i realized i read last month's detective and liked it especially the gordon backup story and i just forgot to read it this week okay <clears throat> uh,
0: enough time i don't know if it was just a common month and that feels longer and longer but i really did i was like i don't remember the first issue of this at all
1: Oh. i didn't remember shit for yeah the, for either story until like halfway through the second story i was like okay this is i'm i'm getting echoes here
2: right yeah <laughs> i remember we talked about it on the podcast
0: by the end of the main story in this issue i remembered a bunch of the key stuff from the first one but going into it i did not we've also had a lot of batman miniseries, <laughs> a lot of changes in creative teams so you know that, but yeah, Detective Comics ten sixty three by Rom v. Raphael Albuquerque and Dave Stewart with a backup story by cy Spurrier and Danny on art. Danny, an artist we absolutely have grown to love in our store. Uh Jang, you had mentioned you're excited to talk about that issue. You wanna this issue, you wanna kick it off?
1: Yeah, well, I couldn't really tell you much about most of this, um, other than it it seems to be mostly taking place in the in a future where Two Face has been healed and he's wearing a golden mask to obscure his, his bad guy side. Um, And, and then I believe that we flash back to a time before when Bruce is being a rich guy Um, and and it's related to the Arkham people. I, I don't know. I I
0: didn't get any time jumping vibes at all, but you're probably right. You
1: used to own this city and it moves over to Bruce on a dock.
0: And I thought maybe I that was the same just, suit i don't know just about the lineage of like your family used to own it or something or like, i could
1: see that too yeah i i was i was a little bit unclear on every single page of this
0: book. i'm i'm unclear as well so i, I, I that's I why i'm like whoa i mood. believe you well so I love that's the
1: mood of the thing but what I'm i think is
0: confused about the rest maybe the best part to me is mm-hmm. the mood like i think yeah. it's maybe one of the most atmospheric batman stories i've read in a really long time i think that the art perfectly captures this sort of seedy shadow uncertainty thing that batman's dealing with in this series uh-huh. but also very gothic in a, I oh, i mean like it's got an american vampire vibe to it which is where i first came across this artist i don't know what's happened with two-face i don't know if something had just happened or if this is a future where something has happened that we don't know of but i really like the two-face thing like we meet him at the beginning and he's got a Phantom of the Opera style gold mask on half of his face. And he's kind of had the two-faced entities cleared from him.
1: But he's still spinning a coaster. Yeah. With a bat symbol on it and watching it fall,
0: which is cool. Django, I'm curious, what was it that you had mentioned that you were excited to talk about this about?
1: Well, I just wanted to get your read on the Barbados part of it because there's a full page of Bruce hallucinating Barbados.
0: Yeah, and, and I do believe that that was also an issue number one, like Barbados was, was mentioned. it? Okay. I think okay. so. It um, was 100
1: years ago, so how how am I supposed to remember?
0: It was. It's also been a particularly crazy month for all of us, and everyone <laughs> in the world, I imagine. I really like it, especially because we don't know if these are hallucinations or spirits <clears throat> or what, um, yeah. but I really like the tie to Barbados in here, especially because obviously it ties into a story that we know and love, Plug for our old podcast, Batman in Quarantine, where we went through the whole Grant Morrison run issue by issue and talked a lot about Barbados. But I really liked the inclusion of it here, much like I really like in the Zdarsky run that he had the Batman Azur and R just show up. Um, yeah. Because they both well, seem like really great ideas and important parts of the Batman mythos, but they haven't been used really since they were introduced a while ago.
1: And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is that we've got two books, two major Batman books right now talking about. Things that were featured heavily in the Grant Morrison. He they didn't create either thing, right? The Batman of Zurina was at least the costume was from the Golden Age. Right. And the Barbatos came in at least as far back as the Peter Milligan Dark Knight Dark City. But they okay. were both like important bits of um of Morrison's run. So it's it's interesting that we're going back to that, which I think was is is kind of thought of as less popular than Tom King's run by a lot of people.
0: (laughs) I think it is a polarizing run for sure. What I really like is I always think about life in a lot of ways as if things happen two times, it's a coincidence. And if they happen three times, it's a trend, you know, Mm -hmm. you can draw a line from it. You can, you know, and what I liked Grant Morrison's run doing was taking these bits from the golden age, silver age, and then introducing an aspect in modern continuity and kind of linking the two (laughs) <laughs> but you can isolate those stories as just this singular story referencing the past but now we're putting a third story in there and i you know i think you can easily get carried away by overusing a lot of those things but i do really like the idea of okay we legitimize the idea of the batman of zero and zero with the grand morrison run we haven't right. touched it in like 15 years this third story further legitimizes that and actually makes it much more a part of the mythos uh, barbados yeah. i i i would feel similarly about but i do like that this is kind of a a vision or a hallucination or something but that also fits in with the way that that entity exists within the morrison run so i I really like magnificent
1: restraint on the on the side of dc to wait 15 years to start playing with these concepts again
0: well i think that's just kind of the way that it goes right when you have a run that was super influential to certain people but maybe not super loved It's oftentimes like the auteurs or the creators that will find deep resonance in things that many other people don't love. So So these
1: guys were probably reading Morrison's run and
0: now they're in the spot where they're writing them. So they're drawing from that now. I, I really liked the main story. I liked it quite a bit more than the backup this issue, but I can't help but maybe think that it was just that the backup was way harder for me to remember what had happened and then when they mentioned that yeah. this takes place before the joker number 15 issue i was like well i don't remember what happened in the joker 15 with gordon to make sure that this is not at the end of that like
1: i can't quite remember either i don't think it's super mattered
0: i don't think so either i just couldn't it really get my like footing in that for whole story yeah yeah you're at the point
1: um i love the menacing end of this and the just the moody art like i had to read the last page twice but basically these this this kid is reunited with his mom and they go into this women's shelter and then the bad guy puts a padlock on the door and a notice of demolition and he's just locked them in there and given the order for the building to be demolished. oh wow and that is that's some evil ass shit
0: yeah i gave I would the whole, say,
1: whole yeah, yeah go
0: i was gonna say uh, a nine for the whole thing that's mostly the main issue if i had to divide the backup i'd probably do it as an eight mostly just because i, I would almost really like to be reading that as a separate series. It was coming out. It would maybe help my brain kind of divide and hold continuity a little bit better. But uh, overall, issue is a nine. I'm really liking this Rom V Detective Comics run.
1: Yeah, I feel weird. I'm going to give it an eight and a half, and I'm going to give it the caveat that I shouldn't have to work quite this hard to remember what happened.
0: I know. Why did we both... We both don't usually struggle this much to remember what happened in a comic, but we, there has been a lot of Batman stuff lately and new creative teams changing over. So well, on the topic of newish Batman stories that we've been getting and seeing, y'all want to tell and me a little bit about Batman and Roman.
1: The topic of Roman.
0: Right. Oh I love the topic of Roman. I just I had favorites. to
1: interrupt you because I forgot to do it during the intro. Oh so, uh, you uh,
0: dog. I, s-
1: I saw I saw chance.
0: Uh, that is that chance a reference to to, to
1: oh it's a human target.
0: Uh, Batman 4 I
1: pounced on it.
0: Number two. This one is written by a writer and the art is done by Derek Robertson. (laughs)
1: Uh, The the writer actually is the writer of uh, Rogue One
0: and a couple
1: other movies. It's uh, Gary Whitta.
0: Oh, I do recognize uh, that name.
1: Yeah, I can't remember what other comics they've done. But this this has been one of my big surprise favorites for Batman stories. It's basically the, the... world has been shut off from any kind of communications and maybe even electricity. Is that right or is it just communications? It's
2: Uh, been shut down. Yeah, it's been shut down pretty well. I think it is for at least originally was uh, all power. Okay. And,
1: and last issue we found out, or maybe even two issues ago, we found out that it's because there are these three aliens that are looking for Kal-El who has just disappeared. He's just gone. Superman's not on the planet. And uh, we also found out definitively that this is definitely not happening in, in the main universe because they disintegrated uh, Perry White in a very touching scene. Oh, right. In the last issue. And this one, Batman and Lex L- President Lex Luthor go to uh, try to get Superman's fortress, and it's just gone. Like Superman has moved it. And then uh, Chip's buddy, Dale, shows up. And we've got like uh, a Gnort style character hanging out with Batman, and they go meet Detective Chimp, and we see John Constantine playing Russian Roulette in this Detective Chimp bar. It's it's very inventive. It's like somebody just handed this guy the keys to the DC universe and said, "It's not Black Label, but pretend it is."
2: Yeah, because it's set. I mean, I it's set sometime in the past. I don't. I forget when Lex like, Luthor was president, but. You know, he's not president anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's a long time ago. Yeah, but it's not, yeah, it's not an Elseworlds or, well, I don't know. It's not Black Label.
1: No, it, if, doesn't, it doesn't say it is, which I think that know, tells us all we need to know about Black
2: Label. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I forgot to look up if Dale, if the Green Lantern, the squirrely Green Lantern, Dale, has shown up before, because Chip certainly has. I don't know if this is Dale's first appearance or not.
1: Oh, Interesting it's uh it took me and jeff a minute on wednesday looking through this jeff was like oh yeah i love that cover with chip on it and i was like oh chip, yeah I I think was... his name's chip i thought he was talking about the the chip zadarsky cover this week i was like that's not a great cover oh. like, it's fine but it's not cover of the week cover and i flipped this open and it was dale and i says no look it's dale and then oh yeah
0: i wouldn't yeah not yeah. reading it i that was that was an awesome little, uh, and then you were like chip and dale chip
1: and i was dale. like oh you, that's fun. punks."
0: <laughs> fun
1: I don't know. I just love the all of the characterizations and it's it's a movie number of words for this comic book, but they all fit really well. And it it, it, all, it all drives the
2: story forward. Yeah, I really, I enjoyed it all a lot, except same complaint I had with the last issue. I I just, I hate the way that he writes Batman, just Batman's dialogue. I'm just like, right. you know, it just, it, it takes me out of the story. Cause I'm like, that's not Batman. Hmm. <laughs> it's, too collo- it's too colloquial and too, it's just too colloquial, too common. Like Batman in here, like mentioned something about pizza. It's like, come on, Batman doesn't eat pizza. But he doesn't guy?
0: talk about it for sure.
2: Yeah. He he's, also has he's, a drink in here, right? Doesn't oh, does
0: he,
1: yeah. give him like a cocktail or something at some point?
2: Oh yeah, I guess he does. I that like I cash, didn't notice because I think bats. sometimes. He, yeah, and he's just... There's just a few things he says. I'm like, come on, that's not that's not Batman. I don't care which world you're on.
1: <laughs> Honey, lemon, cinnamon, and cloves with a dram of Scotch whiskey to help you sleep.
2: Same so okay with that because I Bruce Wayne must drink occasionally. I want that. You want but, the drink. Yeah, that does or you sound sound don't good. want him to drink. I want
1: again. the drink right now.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> does that's sound good. good. But yeah, I liked all the plot points. Oh, that was another one that even though it was to good effect, it bugged me. I was like, come on, Batman would never ever ever take lex luther to his best friend's fortress of solitude i don't believe that for a second i felt like that showed how desperate
1: superman or batman is like he would
2: superman never get that has been desperate. missing
1: since the beginning of this and the whole world is gonna like they're fucked because all everything's broken because of these guys
2: anyway yeah, i feel like batman would have stolen luther's technology and done it himself and left luther unconscious somewhere <laughs> i think this is probably my
1: second favorite Derek robertson art in this mm. issue, yeah, most of the detective chimp scenes. Oh, the yeah. Hellblazer that came out recently is my favorite.
0: Oh,
2: uh, which one?
1: The Hellblazer. Oh, he, yeah, he yeah, did, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was like far and really away good. his best art. But
2: yeah, yeah I thought yeah. this was
1: really well done.
2: Yeah, it really is. Even his, and I think, I don't know if he kind of subtly redesigned Batman's costume, but there's a page where uh the Ale and Batman arrived in in Nepal, and just that that big panel where batman's posing heroically yeah his Mm. costume looks slightly different than i think i've seen before it's a little tim
0: burton-esque
2: yeah yeah and the bat is huge which i like (laughs) it's cool there was only (laughs) one panel when uh he draws bruce's face when he's in the cave where i'm like boy that looks way more like say a character in hitman than it does mm. bruce wayne
1: i think it's funny that the like when he goes to the arctic circle he's got a bat parka on and when he goes to nepal he's just he's just wearing batman 89 outfit like <laughs> yeah it might be insulated but you're cold bud
2: <laughs> you're cold bat
0: he's batman. Uh, he can he could
2: take nepal cold
0: he well, can't after take your scores i have a little bit of gossip i want to share with you guys
1: I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an eight. And I think anybody who's reading Batman books would probably like this.
2: I gave, I gave it a seven. I'm just, you know, and I love pizza, but, you know, Batman,
4: <laughs> he's, he's,
2: he's, he's better than Olympic level athlete in training, has to deal with all these superpowered guys. He doesn't, he can't allow himself to eat pizza. I
0: heard, and I bet you guys heard as well, that we're about to get Alfred back.
2: Hmm? I haven't heard that. Alfred's coming back praise the Lord
0: yeah start maybe dark crisis related or no like the next issue of oh Batman versus Robin I think the preview was just released online and Alfred uh, came back in it or something
1: who fucking cares as far as I'm concerned he's back he's in Batman Fortress <laughs> yeah he was in
0: Chip like he's, run and flashbacks
1: fucking everywhere like
0: yeah.
1: he is back if you get rid of all continuity then bringing character back doesn't mean anything
0: yeah i agree it's, but, but it's it nice also to nice to just not have to <laughs> even answer it was like oh yeah alfred's back okay cool sweet well yeah. like, he's back in everything because he he's alfred yeah, wow. question, yeah. Did, did,
2: they la- did they did they laugh oh i wonder if they lazarus pitted him or what
0: i don't know I, it sounds maybe lazarus related but also it does sound like this dark crisis story is going to be dealing a lot with like magic affecting the dc universe so maybe magic is related to it i, I don't i don't know but it, i thought it was an interesting thing um so something to, something to look forward to in the horizon, because who doesn't love Alfred? And if you don't... That's you don't solid,
1: you. solid hot goss, bud.
0: It's hot goss. I saw it on Bleeding Cool. They showed the image that of the issue that, you know, uh, previews. Rogues Gallery number two. This one written by Hannah <laughs> Rosemay with art by Justin Mason. Image Comics. Django, I did not grab this this week, and you were like, are you going to read Rogues Gallery number two? And I was like, I have no memory of Rogues Gallery number one. And you're like, well... <laughs> Me neither. But I do remember it now. I was like, oh, right. It's that one. And then we were like, Roman, did you read this? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And yet I thought it was actually a really, really good issue. Django, what did you think of Rogue Gallery number two?
1: I think it's a much better issue than the first issue. Uh, Mm -hmm. We basically just get the actress. Well, so for everybody else, this was the issue that we talked about probably four or five weeks ago uh, where the the Grognards who hated the woman who played their favorite superhero on a TV show decided to go rob her house because she just picked up a, a signed copy that's like one of four in existence of the first issue. You know, just like, but but it was a lot of
0: very toxic straight, fandom straight turning against toxic
1: fandom without yeah. a wink at us. Right, so it was hard to tell where the where the creator was coming. from. Are we from. supposed was...
0: to be on this person's side? Are we supposed? To... Yeah, yeah. Actually, I forgot that that was an aspect of our kind of initial thought. We also initially thought because that first issue ends with this group of Gargnards, Grognards, Grognards, um, going to the house of the person to like maybe kill them or steal their shit or something, mm-hmm. and it ended with us thinking that that whole group was going to be killed by the. Red Rogue or whatever her name is. Yeah. <clears throat> I was quite pleasantly surprised that this issue was so different than our expectation and the first issue as well.
1: Yeah, it's basically the, the actress's few days leading up to the, the other people deciding to rob her house. I think she's a lot more interesting and a lot more sympathetic than, than any of them were. I don't know if I would have liked this better as a first issue.
0: I think that it needed to be the second issue because they make they really villainize her in the first issue and then we like we kind of talked about of like it's it's a gross statement about fandom of how kind of possessive we get about our characters and our stories and we lash out at these people who are playing them and we assign motive to me yeah this this whole thing between two issues is more about toxic fandom really because yeah this whole time we spend with the actress and she's actually awesome and fights for things in the right way and mm-hmm. the problems that people were blaming her for for this show and related to this series they love is something that she was also fighting against as well you know it's it, they, they're both coming from a place of love for this property but with the way that the internet works and news articles work and ego works uh, people are just really mean this made her really really sympathetic and incredibly likable then we get an alternate basically view of what happens at the end, right? Those, those people were going to show up to offer or steal her shit or whatever. But what
1: what did you think of her obsession with the negativity in the news? Like, I feel like a lot of actors learn pretty quickly to not engage in that stuff. And it seemed like she was kind of hooked on it. And maybe, maybe this was her first big thing. And, and she hadn't really gained the experience to, build up the thick skin to deal with that.
0: I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that it has, she has to be early. I don't blame anybody for not being able to totally reject the noise. Yeah. Of criticism. You know, I think it's really hard not to because everyone wants to be liked. And when you see that you're no matter what you do, the response online by all these obsessive fans, you're failing in their eyes, no matter right. what you do. Uh, I think that's an important part of this story. Uh yeah you know maybe she would be a more admirable character if she could just turn that off because i'd be like yeah hell yeah that's how you you know deal with that stuff but i don't know <laughs> that i would know Short that comic yeah exactly so uh you know i i liked it i thought it was a really good second issue but i almost think jenna kind of goes back to that this may have been a, a good excuse for a double-sized first issue because yeah i was
1: i was thinking like would we have bothered reading a double-sized first issue yeah especially if it was in the obviously correct format which would be a flip book or maybe shuffling the the scenes in but i think uh, i think the two chunks are better in chunks rather than mixed in with each other i agree so yeah i don't i don't know i don't know i don't think i would have had the the stamina to read part one and then part two on the first day yep Yep, you're right like we keep coming back to, or like I keep coming back to, we're spoiled little punks and uh, we are. are a little bit pickier about exactly what kind of time investment we put in.
0: But there is such a tonal shift between issue one and two. And if I had spent $4 on issue one, yeah. you know, if I had paid for the issue, I would either be like, well, I'm reading the next one for sure. Or I'd be like, right. well, I don't know if I want to spend another $4 to follow this narrative. And we yeah. kind of thought it was going to continue that first narrative. So
1: I'm, I'm sure the next issue will.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Color me intrigued at the very least.
0: I'm gonna give it a nine. Yeah, and I—that's what I was gonna say—is I love give it a nine, and I really love the art. I really Uh, liked it.
1: I also really liked it. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half out of ten.
0: Hell yeah. Um, that
1: tracks, but that's uh, so says I.
0: So says we, me tracks to me, and so says you, we about Shaolin Cowboy number four. Um. (laughs) Django, this is a little moment for God. you to shine here. Tell us about it.
1: There is no story. well, that's not true okay so so i, I think our recurring complaint about Shaolin Cowboy is that the dialogue is is a, a, i don't know obsequious opaque, obtuse uh some o word, and that the art is amazing, but the you know the story leaves something to be desired. I think that this is the issue that all of the stupid words in the previous three issues actually pay off. And we find out that this story that's been been being told by the lizard um, about how his dad tried to eat him. And then the Shaolin cowboy saved him and he went on this this adventure with the guy. And we see years and years later that now this lizard has a family and he runs into the Shaolin cowboy and they have like a final adventure together. And it's, kind of sweet um Mm -hmm. and he like he finally finishes these desert fights which the art in this is just just so good i sent you those photos today jeff one of them is like a two-page spread of the shaolin cowboy just killing what it's probably like 23 dudes and he's punching and kicking and chopping and sorting and kicking like coca-cola bottles through their necks and heads and chests and and you can follow the action for everything that he did like three levels so he cuts this guy's head off and he misfires a gun that shoots another dude who shoots another dude accidentally like it's it's just spectacular blocking
0: i'd love to see the sketch like the rough sketch of what that scene because i you know i bet he like mapped it out while drawing like oh, I'm gonna cut this guy's head but maybe he's got a gun that goes up okay cool so if the gun go like I would love yeah. to see the rough line of this page like that double page
1: I've seen his art and he doesn't draw much bigger than anybody else like his his sketches are this about this size or a little bit bigger it's I don't know how this guy's brain works or if he just smokes a million weed to to get this intricate or
0: what but I think you have to smoke a million weed to get there yeah
1: 10.0 man like 10. 10 and like you don't even have to read the other issues like you could these are all just kind of let's look at this beautiful drawing and and the story can be secondary but i think that this story would have an amount of impact even just in this one issue and the city is just full of right wing like trump shit. it's like it's like a bad guy city and it's hilarious
0: well 10.0 is a pretty dang high score Django so everyone if you want to see a slice of comic booking that is truly special uh Shaolin cowboy Django did only you and I read minor threats is that right
1: oh no did we just do a podcast where Roman only talked about like two books
0: (laughs) we're gonna go we've got one that's gonna be Roman and I later and then we've got his buck shots um but it yeah I
1: like to call them buck tucks
0: well they're they're fox fucking is what it is
1: You, you, you tuck in and buck them
0: um but Let's do Minor Threats, number one, really quickly. Uh, you, this is written by Patton Oswald and another writer, I guess I should talk about. Jordan jo- Bloom. Patton Oswald and Jordan Blom. Blom, Scott Hepburn, Ian Herring, and Nick, Nate Picos. Um, you listened to a podcast that he was on, and it made you more excited to read this book. Can you tell me what you knew going into this that I didn't know?
1: What I knew was that it, well, it is throwing you into a Black Hammer-style world. So like a fully formed superhero world with um, sort of analogs for characters that we already know and that something happens and then the, the, the rogues decide to, to fix the thing. Um, that's about all I knew. And while they described it really well in that podcast and while the art is really good I think that they missed some critical things that make Black Hammer very successful in dumping you into a superhero world that is as big as Marvel or DC. Um, and I think that that critical thing is that these none of these people, to me, felt like close enough matches to characters that we knew to kind of make the assumptions that Black Hammer lets you make. If I also sense. or think... or uh, in in invincible in incorruptible irredeemable. and irredeemable yeah, did irredeemable. the same thing really, yeah. really really well.
0: I I think I agree with what you're saying, pretty much spot on. I think that this one, gosh, I want to say almost aggressively drops you in. Where I do think that Black Hammer established things more. Um, I had to work, I had to work to sort of feel like I was. I had to tread water to feel that I was keeping my head above the water in this yeah. more than I think that I would have to like like to. I don't know if that's the aspect of like I'm, Patton Oswald is one of my favorite stand up comedians. I really like Patton Oswald. Oh, he's hilarious. Uh, yeah, he's he's great. Um, but this was just told in an interesting way. I did like the art a lot, Roman. I think you flipped <clears> through <throat> it and you said you didn't kind of love it. It is a little. It's a little generic, but it's also stylized in a way that as I was reading it, I got more and more into it. Feels like uh,
1: John McRae, who did Hitman to me, but without any air in the panels, like overcrowded John McCrae almost.
0: It reminds me of the art in Buzzkill and The Paybacks, both by Donnie Cates, but I forget who that artist is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But kind of middle tier Dark Horse, really. So uh, that's what and then what this is, Dark Horse. Yeah, I think I like it. I think I like it. I think I like it. Um, That's That's where
1: I settled too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I do think they could have done a better job of easing us into this world. And I think that the first eight pages of this were the roughest um, or the first 10 or so, but then it kind of uh, the Iridemal comparison is one that was totally in my mind as well. And it -hmm. it, it reminded me of that. And I like that. So I I think that it's in there. I think I'll read issue two. Um, And I wasn't, you know, Totally yeah. sold, but I gave it an 8.0. I think I liked it. I think a like 7.58 is kind of where it sits.
1: I'm going to get it as a seven and a half. And I'll, I'd like to call out the page right in the middle where it, it brings us to the present time and to Twilight City. And it's as if downtown has always been the beating heart of the city, then Redport has always been the malignant tuner, tumor growing out of its asshole. And then it shows a picture of this kind of sketchy part of town where obviously the superheroes have beaten Starro to death and oh. not cleaned it up because there's yeah. like a sorrow eye and all this purple goo and guts around the buildings and i really like that
0: yeah there's a real irredeemable vibe to it so i, I and i yeah. love that series so okay 7. well 5. Ro- See, I solid, love it. yeah solid uh, 7.5 roman you would like amazing spider-man this week and i love any opportunity i have to get to talk about this zeb wells john romita jr uh, run of spider-man what did you think about this what did you like about it or not like about it where where did it leave you wanting and waning Ew.
2: you know <laughs> you know i'm i wait i wish that was just a little better at writing i agree um, just P- spider-man's uh jokes because he's because mm-hmm. he's spidey's like humor sounds a little forced and i and i i admit i mean yeah it would be hard to Right, spider-man as funny as he is and normally and you know as annoyingly funny as he is um but other than that i really i like this issue you know it's got it's just one of the classic spidey villains the vultures like beating the crap out of spider-man because he blames spider-man for his uh vultures niece i think it is found out that he had actually murdered people and stuff in his criminal career which i was a little like but she's in her early 20s. She's never bothered to, like, Google her uncle and find she out that know. he did bad thing. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, she found out. I think apparently Spider-Man told her. Um, and so she cut off all ties with her uncle. And poor Vulture, that was, like, his only family member that will have anything to do with him, his only friend, basically. So he's really pissed. And it's a great beginning because he, like, got Spider-Man in the air and drops him. And Spidey has to save himself but the vulture really fast and he just keeps on beating on him for like most of the issue.
0: And I've never enjoyed seeing a bird beat on, beat off a spider like they, they do in this issue. Um, not, as,
2: not as much as in this issue.
0: Yeah. I'm beating a dead horse and I love horses. So I apologize for this, but I just love, love, love John Armita jr. Drawing Spider-Man in costume. It's one of my favorite things in the world um even though there's these clear things in every issue where you're just like that's some janky drawing and i just sent django a picture of just spite like peter's mouth while talking it's like john you don't like drawing people's upper teeth like you just (laughs) you don't draw upper jaws that much my dude uh and that's fine because the way that the vulture looks and the way that spider-man looks is so awesome to me i totally agree Roman, I would almost just take it one step further of just like, I just wish Zeb Wells was like just a touch better as a writer across the board. I like his plotting. I like the um, the beats of this story. I like the characters, but yeah, it's, it's you know, th- I gave this issue spoilers an 8.5. I think it's just a hair off from being like a 9.5. And I think that, that would probably come from just a little bit more sense of, Peter's sense of humor and the dialogue being a little tighter. That said, I really liked the the art, obviously, because I, I, I don't know what it is. We've tapped into some totally irrational Jeff thing, but uh, that irrational Jeff thing is that Jeff loves seeing John Romita Jr. draw Spider-Man. But, you know, I, I really like this stuff at the end and just kind of what's going on with Norman Osborn and Peter. Uh, Roman, you read, I would assume, all of the Nick Spencer Spider-Man run with like Sin Eater and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened with Norman Osborn at the end of this? Cause now he seems like the sins of green goblin are gone. Like, do we believe that that is, you know, burnt out of him or do, do we know? I don't really know.
2: We're, we're supposed to believe it. I don't believe it. Um, and yeah, at the end, I was like, Peter, what are you doing? Come on. It's Norman Osborn. But yeah, in that storyline, Sin Eater um, ate Norman's sins, which means that he like took away his evilness and apparently his madness Um, and norman's avoiding you know using the the goblin formula or anything because that that triggered his madness who was Uh, sin eater uh was it harry i don't remember i maybe it was he's been this latest one was like the third sin eater in marvel history so okay but yeah I, i yeah i agree with you i i i like the plot and the story beats and everything there's and I like the vulture. I always like the vulture, especially when he's treated seriously as an actual threat and not just, you know, this 80-year-old dude flying around.
0: Roman, let's get a score from you on that. And then we have a message from our friend Andrew Carlson. I also
2: just with. and I also just oh, yeah. want to mention that this is I think the first appearance in action of Spider-Man's new costume, which was yes. designed designed by Norman Osborne.
0: So he gets a glider.
2: And, yeah, and he's got a back a spider drone backpack thing that pops off his back and becomes his own spider glider. Here's what I'll say. So so this is fun.
0: (laughs) I love John Romita's art on this. Like I said, I don't think maybe across the board, he's great at character design. I think he's great at drawing things, but I don't really like the designs he makes. The way that like metal thing holds over his shoulders and his waist, like when it's not being used. I'm like this, like if you look at the preview for the next issue in the final
2: page. Yeah, I uh, I don't like that either. It's I don't like the shoulder thing yeah like i don't it's too 90s image look
0: (laughs) i like i like his drawing of pre-existed things but i think if he's doing character like design stuff i'm not a huge fan of it so 8.5 for me on the roman scale what do you give it
2: i just don't like the three golden globes or whatever they are in Spider-Man's lower arm um
0: they're filled uh, with those weird little gross spider mites that come out
2: Oh, is that what they are?
0: Well, he throws one of those balls at whatever oh, it yeah. is in his eyes, and that grossed me
2: out. I like the spidey nanobots. Um, I give it an eight.
0: Hell yeah, pretty close. Um, all right, my friends, we have an audio recording from our good friend Andrew. The oh, don't and forget
1: Andrew to here. Um,
0: oh, oh, okay, okay, I won't. Uh, here's Fox. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Django. Hey, really like, don't forget to play Andrew's in... Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> It's I love to it. You and I are always on yeah. the same. We're always on the same wavelength. Like always I the love same it. sandwiches. And that's what I love is that you help me remember stuff. But sometimes it's like we're already on the same wavelength. I don't on even the same need sandwiches, it, but, yeah. But sandwich time.
4: Hello, this is Andrew here. Um, hope you guys are well. Uh, been a long time since I've sent in a voicemail, but felt like I was overdue, so here I am. Uh, uh-huh. I wanted to talk today about a recent library edition I grabbed called the Madmanverse Library, like, Library Edition, Volume 1. Uh, it's Michael Ored's Madman. And, uh, I mean, he he appeared in Crossover, so I was curious. And I had always been aware of Michael Ored's work, and I'd read a few things by him, but hadn't dived in too much until Jeff and Django, you wonderful folks, um, recommended Ecstatics to me, which I recently, I think it was in May I finished, um, just absolutely incredible um and so I I grabbed this library edition for my birthday and it it's one of the best things I've ever read and I love that not only is it like just so much fun it's also like it's kid it's it's like a kids movie in a good way like it has adult themes but they're not overt that they're like a kid, i i i can totally see a kid being able to read this um like probably down to like 7 or 8 i mean it gets a little gory at times but like there's absolutely no language um like it it's just it's just so much fun. Like he meets aliens has crazy sci-fi adventures and um, yeah. So I'm like halfway through. So like, I don't know, 93 in the series, but yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun and I highly recommend anyone who has a chance to like check it out at the li- at the library or um, buy a library edition yourself. Um, it it's, it's awesome. Uh, and on top of that, it has pinups from like Darwin cook, Mobius, Jack Kirby, uh, Jim Rugg, uh, man, even like Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, which was really funny to see. Um, Paul Pope, um, that what's that one person, Jeff, uh, with just <laughs> one name, uh, like one, it's just his first name or whatever, uh, that person has a uh, pin up in there, um, like it's what's uh matt Groening's also got one like it's crazy um and yeah it's just absolute blast i highly recommend anyone to check it out um hope everyone's been enjoying the comics they've been reading and yeah have a great one guys thanks as always actually you know what we're gonna do a question please do i i didn't think of a question oh no guys um I thought of well I thought of two and they were both very bad so I am just not no no they're just not going to get asked um so ask yourselves a question um like you did last week so I I think you can do it uh in fact actually I want Roman to ask you guys a question oh um, I feel like Roman (laughs) never does that so Roman has to come up with the question for you guys to discuss have fun with that one Roman (laughs)
1: Well, oh, you come oh. up with a question, Roman. Can I uh, can I make a prediction about Jeff? Uh, I'll, I'll allow it. I don't think that Jeff has read much Madman. In fact, I would say Jeff has probably read almost no Madman. Is that, is that right, Jeff? 100%? 100%. It's Ginchy What's Genshi mean? It's like, cool. Sweet, bro.
0: I... Uh... I did pick up some issues. I would say that Mike Allred oftentimes falls into an almost Jeff Darrow like category for me as well, where I love the look of his art, but the stories that he's generally tied to are not very palatable for me. I think he's so eccentric in a wonderful way that everything he's released in the last like 10 or 12 years are is with the exception of ecstatics, not something I particularly want to read. Um, I think but that, i did read some madman but never like sat down and read a trade of like a whole 10 issue thing or anything
1: i think the early stuff if you go into it expecting uh pre-code ec weirdness i think that you'll be rewarded if you go in expecting modern storytelling um it, it doesn't hit that mark real well but i i loved it and just the just the weird shit that they make you believe is going to happen in these books is really good but Roman's got a question for us.
0: I, I just want to put a pen on his email before that. Um, I think it's cute that you recommend, you said that Django and I recommended Ecstatics because I would say that probably both of us are influenced by our Mike red appreciation from Django or Roman rather, maybe not Django because he was around at a time where he wasn't at the shop where that would have been coming out. But my all red love came from Roman's recommendations probably before I even worked at the store. So um, all of that filters down from the, wonderful arrowhead spring that is roman's comic knowledge and appreciation
1: and i would only recommend uh, ecstatics based on the fact that you love it so much because i I've love it. it yeah i love that series
2: and I, and I read a i read some mad man mad men mad man um i always liked our so what's your question for us you know fellas boys what's uh i don't know what's your who's your favorite classic image character and why and by classic Ooh. image i mean like pre-invincible
0: yeah yeah the Ooh, original stuff. so it could it could be yeah Bad Rock if we wanted. the original one yeah
2: it could doesn't speak speaking, speaking of weird shoulders
0: i i know yeah. mine do you yeah i bet and... you could guess mine spawn
1: yep is it really oh yep. wow kids love chains
0: Man, I don't like that comic series as it's written, but I still like I own artist editions of the art from it. And I think that I just grew up thinking it was the coolest looking thing ever at a time where I was young enough that it didn't matter if it was good writing or not, because I couldn't really comprehend writing. So I was just looking at awesome pictures. And that's maybe one of my favorite character designs of all time. And I still... I ordered a new Todd McFarlane vault edition like a couple weeks ago, you know, like it'll yeah. be on a couple months. So I, I, I love McFarlane. So spawn is mine for sure.
1: I think character wise, like if I was going to limit it to the first six, six books, uh, cause like, I don't even know when invincible started coming out and I don't know what image you found I'm in between. Maybe. But uh, if I was, if I was going to say from the original runs, savage dragon would be the easy win for me. Um, I don't like his character design quite as much as Spawn, but I like the soap opera nature of the story and just the relentlessness with which Eric Larson puts that book out yeah. and, and experiments in there. Like, McFarlane is not experimenting. What
0: about that. the Max Jenga?
1: No. Okay. No, I like the art, but I I don't like... Uh, I, I could never connect with the story. I've never read it, so... Um, same with death. I just Blow. know you like Sam Keith. I do like Sam Keith quite a bit, but j- there's just something about like Savage Dragon being a cop with a fin on his head and that mystery that runs through the first bunch of issues about where he came from and why he's got the fin and mm. and yeah, I and and the number of new dumb characters that are created for that series <laughs> on a regular basis is mind-boggling. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's it's some serious craft in there. Hmm. So, what about good, you, Roman? Good Shadow answer. Um, Shadowhawk, isn't
2: it? Shadowhawk all the way with that weird K on the end of his logo. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I think yeah, Savage Dragon. Um, and and yeah, Spawn has a great costume design. His yeah, his design, his costume, even the colors. I remember when I first saw him, I thought, wow, those are some really cool colors.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's time for us to start having sex with animals with four legs and fluffy tails. What do you guys think?
1: Can I just shoot guns? Um,
0: uh-huh. so I, we I, were talking we talked about buckshot. <laughs> I'm just kidding, i just to try to deal with that in a really uncomfortable way. Um, <laughs> Roman <laughs> like he succeeded, bud. Um, Roman <laughs> we were talking about buckshots earlier, and Roman referred to them as fuck shots, and that made me think about fox shots, but then made me think about fox sex. So to that end, um, I'm gonna get my alarm machine out, and I think one of us is gonna go first. Who do you want it to be, guys? You Okay. Do you have your timer out or should I time me?
1: I'll time you. I'll time you. You got your books? I do. This is the most polite that this segment has ever been. And I think it's because (laughs) we're all a little bit nervous because it's our first time fucking foxes. Jeff, go.
0: I've never fucked a fox before. No, I have I just want to talk about Deadly Class 55. This is the penultimate issue of the series. uh, Second to last issue of probably my favorite ongoing comic book series for the 10 almost years that's been coming out or that I've been at the shop. It comes out intermittently. It's by Rick Remender and Wes Craig. I have caught up with it so that I can make sure and be reading it in issues while it comes out at the end here. And I think that it is, mm, yeah, my favorite book. I think it's my favorite book. Um, Probably the most resonant that I've ever had. It's sort of, reading Harry Potter, like I always say, you, I grew up with this book and uh, I love it. I think it's incredible that the art by Wes Craig has gotten better throughout it. And he's just this incredible, masterful artist at this point who does these things over and over again where I'm like, God, that is amazing. <laughs> but beyond all of that, I love that it's just Rick Remender pretty much taken, like parting the kimono wide open and letting us crawl inside the gaping mall of his creativity and uh, and his imagination and his his life and it's uh, it's dirty and gross and sad. And there's a major death from a major character in this issue. And it just feels so much like ke- keeping up with friends that you've known for years and years and years. So it's an even 10 for me. My favorite book of the week for sure. And I really am going to be heartbroken when this ends. Uh, because... But I also will have a sense of completion that I've never had before. I've never read a comic book this long, every single issue, without ever missing an issue. I've never I've never <laughs> done that for like I've never had a decade running comic series um, that will then come to an end and kind of have a beginning, middle, and end.
1: I mean, what started at that time that's still going?
0: Saga. Not much. Like saga? But Saga took like three years off, but this took like a year and a half off. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Mm -hmm. Did this only take that long off?
0: I don't know. Maybe maybe it had
1: bigger hiatuses in between or something.
0: But yeah, when he made the show, there was probably a solid year. I mean, I think it wasn't uncommon for them to be taking like six months off between trade paperbacks, whereas like many others did three. But yeah, yeah, like they they would go away and um, it's just really impressive the amount of Rick Remender that I feel like I'm talking to while reading this book and that's a pretty incredible thing so uh 10 absolute 10 um Django asked if he should catch up and read this book and you know for the end and I gave a really wishy-washy answer I don't know I don't know if this is like a very Jeff book or more why I know Colette loves it as well and she's caught up and loving it but um
1: jeff there are very few things that you would continually give tens to that i wouldn't appreciate i
0: agree and me. vice versa but this really does get into this subject i mean like i think at some point you're probably i would assume that you're probably like jeff get out of your your negativity is actually a little bit egotistical like or like your 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 self-deprivation is a little egotistical or your nihilism is you know like there, there is not this weird-
1: yours but his
0: anyway i think there's a lot of good in it but i also think that it might i think i totally understand it maybe being hard to stomach for people because it was hard for me to stomach at times that that's me 10
1: before we go to the next uh segment yeah can i suggest uh rebranding yes please of fox sex you don't like fox sex i think i think and, and i might be wrong yeah I've been wrong about branding before, but I think that maybe we could ride the coattails of another organization Mm. if we change the name to Fox Nudes.
0: Mm. I think we could get some extra listeners that way, which we desperately need.
1: Welcome to Fox Nudes.
0: Hey, Fox News, where a bunch of people keep up with the comic book news and have sex with foxes. Fox Nudes. Oh, there you go. Fox nudes, get ready for some pictures of naked foxes. Django, you've probably got ninety seconds on the clock to describe some of your favorite naked foxes of the week. Let's talk about some really nice shaved. Are they dogs, Roman? Are foxes dogs? They're, they're canines. They're can- or
2: wolves. Or canines? Yeah, they're can they're can- canids.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. So, t- t- take the the fur off your favorite canine, Roman. Django. Sorry, Django. Go.
2: Speaking of
1: <laughs> fox nudes, sins of the black flamingo has some very handsome naked men in it. Ooh. Um I'm enjoying this book. It's it's pretty solid. I like the the motivations. I like the way that we've just been kind of yeah. thrust into this world of uh thrusted angels and golems and Going aheads. Like sci-fi murderers. Like it's it's a little sci-fi. It's a little bit um fantasy and i i'm digging it uh yeah i think i think uh it's a a good little mystery i also read the lonesome hunters number three from tyler crook i think this is just a four issue series from dark horse um and this is another great issue from this book i think that the first issue suffered a little bit from from our perspective and i think that this one is much more engaging it moves the adventure along quite a bit i would at this point i would almost rather see this be like a 12 issue series rather than four or five issues and uh i like the art i like the setup and it's it's moving at a, at a good pace but i want it to go a little bit deeper than this uh, i also read public domain it feels like a bridge issue from chips chip, chip Zadarsky. um but I think he tends to do kind of slow boils. So I'm, I'm sticking with it. I, I like it. The characters are good. The dialogue is good. And Pentagram of Horror from Black Caravan oh. by Marco Fontanelli is high, 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 high on my list of really good art this week. Ooh, Yeah, we've, we've, I think we've talked about what this is only number three. So I think we've talked about all three issues to some extent. And it's, it's art that really, really appeals to me. So, uh, Black Flamingo, I'm going to give a seven and a half. Lonesome Hunters, I'm going to give an eight. Uh, Public Domain, I'm going to give an eight, and Pentagram of Horror, I'm going to give a nine. There's no story here. I mean, it's there is a story, but it's I'm going to give it a nine because of the art, solely because of the art.
0: The I end. love it. I love it. Jing, a great buckshot, bud. That was really good. Man. I was trying to
1: impress you. I'm glad
0: it worked. Bud, that was some of the best canine nudes I've ever come across. Those were some good shaved dogs right there, bud. Welcome to Fox Nudes. Hey, Roman, will you tell me about your favorite nude foxes for 90 seconds now? Go.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Jeff, why did you tell him to do that? I don't know.
2: What would you have done? Nine that seconds was, down, motherfucker. Uh, that's what the Ten. that's what the fox says. Remember, remember. Um, does the <laughs> yeah, Avengers Forever number eight. Uh, this was such a cool issue. Um, what's his name? Aaron Cooter was was the artist, and it's just great. It's you know Jaime Reyes, Ghost Rider, and um, the Tony Stark of another world, who's ant on that world. They're going around trying to collect Avengers from all sorts of multiple Earths. And this one is the story of Thor on an Earth where he was unworthy at really bad times of picking up Mjolnir. So the Masters of Evil pretty much conquered the Earth, destroyed Asgard, um, killed off all the superheroes. And Thor's is just depressed and, and walking around and bummed out. And Mjolnir keeps following him around, just floating in the air behind him and around him. And he's really pissed off at Mjolnir because he can't actually pick it up. And he finally ends up somewhere up in Nepal or somewhere on a mountain and punching the hammer to no effect. And Li Kun, the thunderer, shows up and who's, you know, the trainer of Iron Fist, the guardian of Kun Lun, which also had been pretty much destroyed. But he takes Thor under his wing and starts training him in martial arts of Kun Lun. And one of the ways he does that and it's so beautifully drawn is since the hammer is always floating around, it's even sometimes... Thor will stop and the hammer will bump into him. And he's like, ah, so the thunder has Thor as part of his training. Just keep punching the hammer. It's floating in the air. Just keep punching it and punching it. And his hands are getting bloodier and bloodier and he's standing in a pool of blood. And he keeps doing this for like months and months and months. And finally the hammer like dodges the blows. So Thor's starting to finally defeat the hammer and it just goes on from there. And it's so cool. And a classic, just martial arts, you know, come back from the brink of despair to try and become a hero again. Um, and so you know, you think that he's gonna become Iron Fist, but other things happen that are even better. So it was awesome. Oh, um,
0: I wish I was reading that <laughs> series.
2: Um do I have any time left? No, it went off. It went off. Oh it did I didn't You're, hear it.
0: Yeah,
1: something's weird with with like abrupt sounds on your mic or something. Oh no uh, like I'm sorry. we didn't hear, we didn't hear that sound at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh Roman, you haven't seen the Thor movie, but there are some jokes similar to that in the Thor movie, where the hammer keeps kind of floating up and and giving Thor the evil eye for having a new weapon.
2: Oh wow, okay. I'll see it soon. It's coming. It's coming to Disney Plus September eighth. Nice. So oh, you score from me. Oh, uh, I'll give it a nine. Ooh, nice. I want to read the, that. The I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, that art yeah you want to pick up an avengers book for the first i know time about 20 years yeah
2: he's yeah,
0: been great doing every art. issue and it's gorgeous i that's yeah. the most i feel like cooter that we've gotten non-stop for a while
2: yeah it's really unique and cool the way he draws like the the snow and ice and thor's beard after thor's been you know laying there in the snow for hours <laughs> dare i say it
1: oh cooter may, cooter may have surpassed
0: Daughterman for me jango do you want to send us home if you don't mind don't forget to play uh
1: andrew's voicemail i already did oh you did that's right um well thanks for listening thanks for coming along on this journey with us this journey to fox news superhero worlds and fox nudes which i don't i don't think it's hyperbolic to say that that's one of my favorite things i've thought of today
0: i'm Uh, really my favorite pun
1: that i've come up with uh not the not to chew oh my own wow meat, if you know what i mean but dude i to undo a button uh you should you should write in and tell us what you found when you googled fox nudes no uh, you, shouldn't it. on. you shouldn't google
0: it you shouldn't google it don't google it seriously
1: uh tell Especially us something else work. tell us something else we like getting emails it makes us feel like we're not just screaming into the void or even just talking at a normal sort of npr level into the void because the void dampens sound
0: a lot, it does. It surely yeah. does. Thank you so much. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing all of you wonderful folks next week on Fox News. Tune it in. Sounds too much like we're talking about Megan Fox now that I've accidentally googled <laughs> Fox News.
1: I just to keep thinking about Tucker Carlson. Well, we gotta go, guys. We gotta go. <laughs> Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Uh, and come say hi at the comic store.
0: I'm come say hi at the comic store.
1: I'm anxious to see everybody. I'll be probably off next week, but I hope you guys yeah. call me, yeah I bet we uh, will
3: yeah
1: yeah uh, I'm Django, and I was wondering if it wasn't Fox Newts, what would you rather see?
0: uh I'm Jeff and um
2: uh, and I'm Roman and um, <laughs> and I'm just gonna ignore all of that thanks for thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for Andrew for always editing this podcast. He's gonna be out of this town, so Uh, This week, so I will fortunately be editing this episode and maybe I'll do something with that Fox News stuff because maybe it was a little too much. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) All right, I got to Google this.